Good evening, everybody. This is uh, Tom Merch Jr., and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts. Uh, I'm joined currently by Beth. How's it going, Beth? It's going okay. And I'm also joined by Shana. How's it going, Shana? Going good. So we're uh, we're joining you tonight. Uh, it is a, a Wednesday. The Rangers play tomorrow night. And we wanted to get in a podcast before the trade deadline. Things sort of got underway with the trade of Nick Holden. So that's a start. Um, So we're going to talk about a couple of different things tonight. But we will start with the Nick Holden trade. And we will start with Shana. So Shana, what are your thoughts on the Nick Holden trade? Do you like it? Do you love it? What are your thoughts? I like it a lot. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that they got more than what they paid for, which was important, and I think they got something that'll actually help them in take more than anything else. And I think that if we see McDonough for the rest of the season, maybe we'll actually see McDonough with like a different partner or maybe just with Mark Stahl. But um I think it opens up a lot of opportunities because they kind of had a problem with the fact that he was a left-handed defenseman that played on his right, which is already a disadvantage. And then on the first pair, which is a bigger disadvantage and in the moments, which made it even worse. So we don't have that. So that that's, that's all good. And they got something for it. So I, I can't complain. Boston got themselves a, what did they say? A shutdown guy that plays on the power play. So they can enjoy that. I mean, I think it was interesting. It was a situation where uh, they acquired Holden from Colorado for a fourth-round pick. They have him for a full season, and then obviously the up to the 60-game mark this year, and they get a third-round pick and a body back, and uh, hit Rob O'Gara, who is supposed to be in the lineup tomorrow night, and the corresponding move was sending Ryan Sproul back to the Hartford Wolfpack. They needed some bodies back given the amount of recalls the Rangers have made lately. Beth, do you have any opinions on the Nick Holden trade? I mean, it's funny. I've been thinking about it and, you know, I guess it's one of those how soon they forget things. Um, But, you know, I'm really just imagining how we'd feel about him if he'd been used correctly. And if he would have been one of those guys, just, you know, if he'd been third pair on his right, um, whatever his right side is, and, you know, the right minutes not thrown out in the last minute of a, of a playoff game, you know, and I'm thinking of, you know, aside from screening Lundquist and some unspeakable turnovers, he did have these sort of hilariously wonderful moments on offense sometimes. You never really knew. And I I just, I kind of wonder, I feel like not that the guy was here long enough to have any sort of legacy, of course, the right word. Um, But, you know, I, I do wonder, you know, if he'd been, if he'd been deployed correctly, like according to his ability, which sounds kind of Marxist all of a sudden, but yeah, you know, if he'd been used right for what he could actually do and for what he could actually contribute, you know, would we be, I mean, I guess we'd still be glad to see him go. Cause I guess the, what he came in for a fourth and we're getting a third for him now. So that, you know, that works out pretty well, but you know, I do feel like his time here was sort of 
spoiled by the fact that he was consistently being asked to do things that he really couldn't do. Um, and that burden sort of, you know, fell on him and it sort of fell on our perception of him too. Whereas whatever, you know, whatever he was bringing to the table was sort of overshadowed, I think, um, by the completely, I think, unreal expectations for him um, and the way he was used. So, yeah, I, again, bye-bye. Not sorry to see him go. Um, But I do feel like his usage was almost as much of a problem, if not more of a problem, than his actual talent or or lack thereof. And uh, since A.V.'s still here... um, even though Holden isn't, you know, it's going to sort of keep coloring things until we know something different. Here's what I'll say about Nick Holden. And I feel that he is a player that there were a lot of opinions on. And by a lot of opinions, I mean, whenever someone would complain about Nick Holden, for example, people would point to the fact that, well, he's being deployed on the top pair. He's being deployed on the second pair by Elaine Vigneault and this sort of concept that he knows what he's doing. He had the, the whole backstory was when they made the trade and he's talking about it with the media saying, you know, I talked to Patrick Juan, I'm getting one of his better defenders. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and I that. think the complaints about Nick Holden were very specific. They were very targeted. He was for lack of, for better or for worse, an offensive-minded defender. He had a career year his first year with the Rangers, 11 goals, 23 assists, 34 points, while averaging 20-37 a night, uh, according to hockey reference. In a vacuum, those are not bad numbers. The problem was he was asked to do things, like you said, Beth, out of his, his wheelhouse. He was being used late in the games. We obviously saw that in um, the Montreal series, the Ottawa series, where the Ottawa series, it was more uh, detrimental. But for me, I always was okay. I never complained about Nick Holden's offense. Now, granted, this year, three goals, nine assists, 12 points is a far cry from what he was sort of doing. But I think that it'll be interesting to see how Boston uses him. I think that if they try to use him the same way that the Rangers did, they're going to be in for a nasty surprise. They're not going to like that. But as a third-pairing guy that maybe you give him some time on the power play because, as we've seen, in the right spot, when he sort of winds up, he can get his shot through traffic. Um, yeah. And obviously the one thing that we will sort of, uh, you know, always remember him for is being described as safe and dependable, which I think that, that, that phrasing sort of earned him more criticism because it was just sort of a black, uh, a blatant sort of uh, slap in the face, if you will, towards the fans. It was like, oh, this guy is safe and dependable. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, but good on the Rangers for getting a third-round pick and a body back. It's a situation where the investment originally was uh, sort of they, they, they anteed up and they, they got a better return. Maybe you, you say to yourself, 
they wait a little more, the other players on the market sort of go. Does he maybe draw a second? That I don't think was ever realistic, but um, yeah. I think I think that you sort of you know take the money and run, and you sort of move forward. And that's sort of where I want to go next because the trade deadline is Monday and it's a situation where we obviously know that Rick Nash is likely going, Michael Grabner is likely going. But I want to change gears because shortly before uh, we got on for the show, Darren Dreger sent out a tweet and I'll say, you know, take this with a grain of salt. Uh, especially because it's considering the Toronto Maple Leafs and Dreger's sort of con- connection to the Maple Leafs has waned in recent years because he his cousin is Dave Nonis, who was the former general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it was a situation where whenever there was something that wanted to be leaked or sort of uh, strategically spun, Dreger was the man that could sort of carry the water for his cousin. But he said, uh, as I said on SportsCenter, I believe the Leafs' interest is targeted on Ryan McDonough. Not saying they get him, but still in on the fun. And that's really saying a lot without actually saying anything. We do know that <laughs> Ryan McDonough did submit his list of teams that he would uh, play for. It's uh, according, I believe it was Pierre Lebrun saying that the list was not prohibitive. So there, there's some some options there. So I'll pose the question to Shayna. Given everything that we've heard, given everything that we know, do you think there's a chance that Ryan McDonough is actually going to move or is he going to be a member of the Rangers at 302 uh, next Monday? Um, I have no idea what they're going to do with him. I think the two players that aren't rentals are obviously McDonough and Zuccarello because they get him for a year and a half. And Zuccarello is the one I think at least stays until draft day. But with McDonough, I just don't know. The fact that he hasn't been back in the lineup tells me maybe they do want to move him. Although they want to move him sooner, I should say. I think it sucks that that Bruins game could be his last one um, as a Ranger. But I know it only takes – uh, I know Cap Friendly posts this. It's a little over a million dollars in cap space to acquire him with this contract, and that's if the Rangers don't retain any salary, which they definitely could do. So it's not like it'll be too tough on a team like the Maple Leafs to actually acquire him. I just don't know. I don't know if it takes them a step forward to make that trade right now because they have – I know they need a defenseman right now, but – if it comes down to moving someone like everyone said, their three pillars are the ones that you would you would hear the most to get someone like McDonough. So let's say it's a Marner and Nylander. And it's obviously reaching for the stars for the Rangers, getting, you know, talent like that back in return just because they are so important to the Maple Leafs. I think it's going to be tough to take one of them away and say, here's a defenseman and just like leave it alone for the Leafs. Like how do they replace what they lost then on offense? And I don't know if they can afford it right now that he would be on the move there yet but maybe at the end of the year when they look at their cap situation with the Nylander extension, because if they actually do need a defense in long-term, they kind of can't afford to, to sign someone like Carlson or McDonough and still sign Matthews, Marner, and Nylander to a long-term extension after that. So I think something does have to give with their cap space. I'm just not sure they're willing to give up this playoff run, or give a player up for the playoff run. 
What do you guys think? My oracle of calamitiesness is saying McDonough goes. I'm not quite sure why. Um, and I know Joe's been screaming about getting Nylander for when anyone to anyone who will listen for I don't know how long chance. now. But yeah, that doesn't that doesn't quite make that doesn't really make sense to the least though. It's sort of tidy for us, but not really for them. Um, so yeah, I don't I I kind of agree that uh, yeah the logical part of me sees him staying. Um, because they don't have a piece. If they want him for a run, they don't have a piece that they can really give up right now for his worth. But I don't know. I just there's just something about his injury and him not playing that makes me feel like he's 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 definitely on the block somehow. Um, and it's just going to be the right offer that they're waiting for. So yeah, I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. Tom, I think I think what's interesting is McDonough hasn't played, I think it's, what is it, the last six or seven games that he's sat out, but for without the exact amount, he, he's not been playing. Uh, what we do know is that throughout the year, he's had a lot of maintenance days, and to me that says he was playing with some sort of nagging injury. If he's someone that the Rangers are going to consider trading – they're obviously going to try to get him as healthy as possible. But I believe there was a report that teams that were interested in him were not sort of discouraged by the fact that he was currently sitting out. So it's, it's not like uh, whatever is ailing him is something that is going to impact him long-term. I believe that the teams that were reportedly interested in, in uh, McDonough were, the Bruins and the Lightning. But in the situation of the Bruins, they just added Nick Holden. Not that Nick Holden is obviously on any, <laughs> on any level as Nick Dunna, but it's still, they were looking for a defenseman. They added a defenseman. Whether they want to do more, completely up in the air. The Tampa Bay situation is something that's interesting because if you look at their roster, the idea at least the one that was said by Steve Eiserman is any move they make is going to make them better. They're not going to make any lateral moves. So by that, a lateral move would be moving someone that's currently on their roster for McDonough. So you ask yourself, do the, the lightning have enough of futures plus draft picks that you would feel comfortable in trading for McDonough. I don't know. It's it's a situation where I feel that ultimately you wait until the draft, but the only downside of that is that if you wait to move McDonough, then the team acquiring him only has him for a year. There's something to be said of acquiring him for this run and all of next season pretty much exactly what the Rangers did when they traded for Keith Yandel. I think that it might be a situation where we get to deadline day. We sort of see the moves that are being made. Another interesting wrinkle is the Eric Carlson situation. Eric Carlson yep. is, is someone that the senators are reportedly taking calls on. Uh, it's, it's a whole 
mess of a situation. They apparently want Bobby Ryan to be a part of the deal. So not only are they getting rid of their, their franchise player in Carlson, but they're going to strap on all this dead weight, so to speak, in Bobby Ryan. Not that he's not an okay player, but I believe his contract is, let's see, I think it's over $7 million, but I'm going to go to, to Cap Friendly to look up the, the specifics. But either How's way. Foot? Has that been like a lasting thing? I thought I heard somewhere that that was sort of lingering, or is he like all primed up and good to go now? Nothing lingering. What, Bobby Ryan? Carlson. No, Carlson. I don't think oh, he, oh, I, don't, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he's not a thousand percent, but it's not like that's even been a topic of conversation as much. I think everything okay. else is just the Senator's shitstorm as is. And you were asking for his cap it, right, Tom? Yeah, I think it's seven point six two five. Oh, uh, Bobby Ryan. Carlson's right now is still. Oh, Bobby Ryan. Yeah, oh, because his, they want to. Uh, I think you're right. So yeah, so he. All right, I, got it I think up. you're right, it, and it's really long. It goes to like, I don't know, 2021 or 2022 or something. 20, that is that yep, is that's not a nice contract. So that's re- that's really a uh, like a poison pill contract, so to speak. That you're kind of uh, you're devaluing Carlson, but. I guess they're valuing the fact that if they can get rid of that weight, it's a situation where Ottawa makes the enough for um, Gabrick trade where they can just get buy Gabrick out and save money. But to, to avoid going down a tangent involving the financial <laughs> uh, whimsicalness of the uh, Ottawa senators, uh, if I were to, if I were to place odds on it, I would say that McDonough will be, a member of the Rangers past the deadline. I think that right now the the market is in a, in a sort of a stall because you don't really have a player like him that's been traded yet. So you don't have a, a idea of what value is. And I think the Rangers prerogative would be to hold on to him and wait for the right deal. And maybe they see where they're, their lot falls at the the end of the year in terms of the draft lottery. Maybe they look at it as a situation where there's a team that really needs a defenseman and they have a first round pick that would uh, be a value to them as they look to sort of bundle things. But um, it's, it's definitely something that I think is going to become more of a, of a topic until the deadline passes and then once the deadline passes, it will sort of die down. Moving on, Shana made mention to them, Rick Nash, Michael Grabner. Michael Grabner was someone that was, I believe, previously linked to uh, the Los Angeles Kings. They were looking for, I believe it was middle six scoring. But it's a situation where the Kings made a trade with I believe it was the Arizona Coyotes, and they picked up um, Tobias uh, Reader, writer. So that sort of would be their middle six option. On uh, TSN last night, the Bob father, Bob McKenzie, sort of talked about where where the situation was in turn with Grabner, 
And originally he was a guy that they were hoping to get a first for. I think we all knew that that was sort of a pipe dream, but now it's moving down to potentially a second round pick and then something in Elliot Friedman's 31 thoughts. He mentioned that the Pittsburgh Penguins would be potentially interested in uh, Michael Grabner and uh, maybe they part with Daniel Sprong, who is a, uh, point per game player in the NHL right or the AHL that is right now and I think that would be a a fantastic return but uh Shana what do you think happens ultimately with uh Michael Grabner is he staying in the east coast is he going to the west coast does it really not matter um I hate the idea of anyone going to Pittsburgh like I hear him going to Pittsburgh and I, I I can like swallow that but when I hear Derek Broussard, the Pittsburgh stuff, I'm like, no, no, you can't do that. Like, please don't. It doesn't even make sense to them. You're totally under- taking my response. Yep. I I don't get how Pittsburgh is like, we want a player, and then they just get them. It, it's like, how do you have anything left? How have you, like, I, I don't understand them. I hear, like, oh, they might want Matt Cullen back, and it's like, that one I see how you can get. But anyone else, I don't understand how they have anything left. But apparently they do. They have prospects, and they have some picks. Not all of them in the next couple of years, but some. But I don't see the Rangers doing anything to help the Penguins, even if it is for this year, because I just don't – I think they would have to make it worth their while even more than a regular team would because it's uh, within the division. And I saw something about the Flames, and I think that's kind of interesting because he's good at scoring, and their bottom six is not good at all. But I – I think with Nash, I see him coming back, and with Grabner, I just don't see how they afford it. And the player that comes to my head, I'm like, he's going to get that Benoit Pouliot contract, that, that what was it, four years, $5 million a year, I think it was, after his Rangers deal, and it was ridiculous. And I see why he accepted it, and of course, but I don't know why anyone offered him that. And I feel like Grabner's going get, to get that kind of deal. And I'm like, I like you, Grabner. I think you're a great part of this team, but you're 30 years old. I wouldn't want to sign you for more than two years unless you're going to make, like, $2.5 million a year. If the Rangers are somehow yeah. like, we'll sign you for four years, $2.5 million, which might be a little bit much, I'd be like, you know what, that works. Otherwise, no, two years, $3 million a year, I feel like would be like top of the limits for me. So I think they need to make sure the return is good on him because I don't think he's just a, you know, he might just be a rental for them, but it's not like Nash where it's like, you're getting him for a little and then we're going to take him back. So I think they really need to make sure they get whatever back. And all the team needs to get him is like, 400,000 in cap space. Like, it's not even much. With Nash, it's like 1.7 or 1.8. So, it, it's it's so reasonable for them. So, with Grabner, I would say, uh, I think there's a good chance that he ends up back with the Rangers, regardless of where they trade him. Uh, not any big sources or anything, but a friend of a friend of a friend was I was having a conversation with this, and apparently it's a situation where uh, Grabner's kids, you know, go to go to school in the city. They sort of like it there. His wife works in the city. They sort of, uh, you know, like the way that things are. Obviously, he spent all that time with the Islanders, so they're sort of set up in New York. So 
I think it would be a situation where they may may not want to move. Um, obviously, money can change a lot of things, but I would uh, I'll direct the, 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 this question to Mike. Mike, what do you think is ultimately going to happen with Michael Grabner? Mike. Well, Hi, Mike. I'm going to pretend that I didn't lose track of time, and you that I've heard everything you time. I'm going to pretend I've heard yep. everything you He's guys right said here. and that I wasn't wrapped up writing something about USA-Canada women's gold medal game tonight. Uh, you didn't get Everyone should be watching. Don't forget. Here's what I know about Michael Grabner. He's got a lot of tattoos. Uh, <laughs> he's, Aust- he's Austrian. Um, I feel like if I saw him wearing a leather jacket and a beanie that's pulled down a little too far, you know what I mean, when... People wear a beanie like right, so it's right on top of their eyebrow line, and they look a little intimidating. I feel like if I saw I wear him my wearing that, like that, yeah, I'd be intimidated. Um, that's what I think about him uh, in regards to trading him, or whether or not he comes back as a ranger is the question. So I would say the question is, where do you think he ends up um, at the trade deadline? Do you think it's he's staying within the Eastern Conference? Do you staying in within the West? Do you think that it's a situation where teams may realize that he may re- end up returning to the Rangers, so their level of investment may be a little lower. In other words, they they won't get suckered into a betting war for no reason. So if, say, Team A really wants Michael Grabner, Team B is going to go, well, I would like Michael Grabner on my team, but he may only be a temporary rental, and I don't have any intention of re-signing him, so... I'll just let Team A get him. I get the feeling, I know Pittsburgh's been said, I get the feeling it will be an East Coast team if for no other reason because, you know, he's been in the East Coast, you know, the Eastern Conference for a long time now. And I feel like a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference have a better idea of what he can do. I... The bottom line is I think every team that's a cup contender wants someone like Grabner because what he represents is scoring depth, speed, a guy who can help your penalty kill. I mean, he checks off a lot of boxes, and that's why he is so exciting. And, you know, it's, he's not as big a, big of a name as Nash, so he won't demand the same sort of package. But he's, he fits into a lot of pieces. Uh, you know, a lot of places, I should say. He's like that uh, when you're playing Tetris and you, you're setting it up for that one really long piece that you're working towards. That's what Michael Grabner is. He's the really long that's a, piece. That's, that's, that's like really, really like excellent analysis. And I don't think I've ever heard anything so perfect. Well, you know, I've been listening <laughs> to the show the whole time. So uh, I'm right on top of this. Very true. I agree. Perfection. I don't really know who where we guys, can go from there. Who, who do you guys think is the most tattooed ranger ever? I'm just going to throw the whole ever? show off the rails. Ever? Yeah. I mean. Just surface area. like. Grabner's got to be up there. He has a lot. He always posts like, on, on, like, you'll see those, like, shirtless pictures, and it's like, we see you. Yeah, he's got the sleeves and everything, right? And the Remember chest piece. Yeah. Fedotenko yeah. had a couple yeah. tattoos. He had the two Stanley Cup tattoos, and then I think he uh, had a couple other ones. But I'm trying to think, at least in, in recent times, 
Hmm. I mean, you have a lot. I mean, of recent years, you have a lot of like baby rangers. If you think about it, so I'm trying to think of the yeah. you know the gr- the grizzled older vet players that would get a tattoo. That's kind of hard. Or a young guy who would get a tattoo like Austin Matthews did. Doesn't he have like he a lion tattoo. over his entire body? He he got an epic tattoo that yeah like 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 tattoo like whoa. Like tattoo, you can look it up. It's I, I am. I'm looking it up right I'm now. I'm sure you I are. I'm like looking it up right now. Has to be up there. These oh, are the things yeah. that I know. Oh yeah, I remember oh, wow. <laughs> When you said Ryan, I'm thinking like Ed Sheeran's chest, and I'm like, that definitely was Ed Sheeran, not Austin Matthews. Okay, I remember this. Isn't it a lion? Yeah. It's a lion with a crown on it. He got the lion sleeve. Interesting. Which, you know what? I don't really believe. I'm not sure that lions as a society have reached the Iron Age where they can work with metals in a forge. So I'm going to call this tattoo bogus. Well, maybe the lion stole the crown. (laughs) Speaking of Toronto, Tom, do you think the Rangers are going to make a trade with the Leafs? Mike, you were listening the whole time. We just need your opinion on that. Oh, of course. Um, God damn it. God damn son of a bitch. I think, uh, I feel like McDonough is a really good fit in Toronto. I know it's something we've talked about before. Um, the reason I feel like he's a fit there is because it's McDonough isn't just a rental. And I feel like he's a guy who a team can be willing to say, we're going to have you for two seasons or rather, you know, a season and a quarter and two playoff runs. And then possibly negotiate a long-term contract with you. Uh, I I'm really tempted by that. I know there's also the talk about Tampa, and I've heard some rumblings about Tampa giving up Sergachev. I don't see why they would do that. Um, it it doesn't really strike me as the right thing to do. However, it would make me immeasurably happy if the Rangers turned a former Montreal elite defenseman prospect into another former Montreal defensive prospect in Sergachev. If the Rangers can find a way to do that, it would make me immeasurably happy. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard everything else. Run them into the ground too. Don't forget, you need the next part of the story. (laughs) The Rangers are in everything. Trying to bring happiness and joy into the show, Shana. Well, I think Sergachev is good. It would be some level of Shakespearean tragedy for Ryan McDonough to end up with the Tampa Bay Lightning and find himself paired with Dan Girardi once again while Anton Strahlman's just sort of sitting there and looking like, really? Really? We're going to go through this shit again? (laughs) They could, though. They could totally go with um, they did Sergeyev Girardi a little bit, and I don't know why they didn't do it more because it was actually pretty okay. And then some injuries screwed that up. I know when Hedman was hurt, I don't remember if they ended up going with it. And they, I don't remember if they bumped Strawman up and then were like, hey, we can do it this way, whatever it was. But Girardi's actually pretty good with Sergeyev. And if they want to do that more and make that their third pair, which I don't know if you want to make Sergeyev a third pair defenseman, come to think of it. 
But in theory, if they did, and then they were like, hey, McDonough Stroman has a second pair, then Tampa would just exceed the Rangers in every way that is not Hermes Lundqvist. And I would be so happy for them, but I would be so sad for us. Here's what I'll say about Sirkachev. He's a very talented player, and I sort of have this fear um, if if AV is the coach past this season because it just seems that offensive-minded defensemen just don't survive in this city. It seems that <laughs> yep. it's, it's, un, it's unfortunate because you have a subset of fans that are like, no one will ever be as good as Brian Leach, whether it was um, Yandel, whether it was Tom Pody, whether it was Michael Roosevelt, guys that had pretty solid offensive seasons for, you know, relative to when they were playing. And it was, oh, no, you know, they're, they're too risk-taking. They're, you know, they're, they're defensemen. They have to play defense. They're not offensemen. They're not from Texas. And I, I just, <laughs> I could just see Sergachev being like, oh, you know, he's, he, he's really good at pushing the play, but he's weak in his own end. And, you know, that therefore he's got to stay on the third pairing. I mean, similar to how, you know, Shattenkirk can't be trusted in in his own zone sort of mindset. Uh, you know, granted, he was playing on one leg for the most part, but that's a, that's another discussion for, for, for another day. It's such crap, that whole idea, though. They're like, oh, if someone's offensive, they're a liability. And it's like, no, and uh, nobody said that. Nobody, like when L.A. won the Cup, both cups, you know, it was like, oh, they slowed down the game. But after that, it was like a speed and skill game, and no one talked about it. I mean, you, like any team, you could look around and, and try to find someone that's offensive, and it's like, look at their numbers and tell me if every single time they're the worst player. Like, And I know people bring up, like, Adam Clendenning as an example with the Rangers, and it's like nobody nobody claimed he was, like, the end-all, be-all. It was just he was, like, better than, you know, what was available. But when you go down, you go – Yandel or Chattenkirk or any of them, like, please tell me how they were the worst. And if you want to say, you know, oh, he didn't dig the puck out in the corners and crap like that. I know that was a complaint about Dougie Hamilton. They were like, I remember when he was traded, there were so many fans that were like, oh, he's not good in his own zone and he'll never turn his back to the play and blah, blah, blah. He's too scared to do that. And it was like, he is so good. You need to look past your own nose and get into 2018 or whatever year it is at the time and look at other defensemen around the league. It's it's so dumb that there's still people that feel that way about offensive defensemen. So I want to ask a question, but I want to get Beth's permission first because it is a <laughs> math question. Beth, may I ask a basic, and I mean basic in the most basic sense of the word, math question? Sure. I'll allow it. Okay. Thank you. Let, What's let, a let denominator? The, uh, let, let the record show that, that the, the question was granted. How much is a goal worth? What? If you, how much is a goal worth? So a goal for <laughs> a goal a, a goal for is equal to the number. Uh, I love you, Beth. <laughs> it's like so so if you score a goal, it's zero zero. It becomes one zero. So it's it's plus one. Yes. So, if how many money you're on, how many money is the goal worth, Tom? 
No, no, no. <laughs> just like so, like a basic basic unit. So it's a goal is worth one. My point is this: if you score a goal or you prevent a goal, it's a factor of one. But the offensive defensemen are criticized for their defensive shortcomings, even though what they do is generate goals. So I guess I didn't do a good good enough job explaining it. It's it's stupid that a goal for is not valued as much or as a as a goal, goal prevented. So it's this sort of concept that well defensemen have to defend, but they're providing offense, and I I think that should be just as valuable. You're you're not going to have a whole league of, of defenders that just snow angel or drop down and block shots. You're going to have your Eric Carlsons, you're going to have your Brent Burns, your Drew Doughty's, your Kevin Shattenkirk's. Yes, they're going to turn the puck over. Yes, they're going to make ill-advised pinches, but my evaluation of defenders is looking at things from a, from an end-of-the-day perspective. Are they helping me more than they're hurting me? Yes, they are sort of giving up chances, but are they generating more than that? And I just won't – I guess I'll never figure that out. I guess it sort of comes from the mindset of what a defenseman is supposed to be, but – I, I, I well, yeah, just you, never understand I feel that. Like, yeah, it feels like you're talking more about the like the underappreciation or perhaps like misdiagnosis of what's wrong or the troubles involved with an offensive defenseman. And yeah. mm-hmm. it's I think in in the modern game where there's no more two line pass, a defenseman who can move the puck is really really essential you need at least two or three guys on your blue line who can do it and it's great to have one at least one guy who's exceptional at it and you know it's it's really simple math brent burns has led the league and i think turnovers the last you know couple of years and carlson was right up there with him guys who are everyone recognizes as these guys are unbelievably good every team wants them they turn the puck over all the time and that's because they have the puck all the time and that just it's just part of the deal. But, you know, it's it's I think it's really it's really easy to criticize offensive D because when they're not scoring, you notice all the holes in their game. You notice the turnovers, you notice them, you know, making a pinch maybe when they shouldn't have. Uh, but, you know, it's whereas, you know, what we normally hear about analyzing and evaluating defensemen is like, oh, if you don't notice them and they're doing their job right. And that's, that doesn't at all apply to offensive defensemen. No. You know what I mean? They're, no. It doesn't even apply to defensive to defensemen, though. No, I think it's a waste I, of I a man agree. on the ice, frankly. <laughs> you can look at, you can look at it. There? Yeah. It, it's, you, and you can use the same for, for an offense defenseman or, or a defensive defenseman. And it's like the same people that would say, like, John Klingberg's not in, like, Norris contention. Like, he contributes to the offense more. His goal differential is positive. I'm pretty sure it's still the best on defense. So is his, you know, Corsi differential. He's the most offensive of their defensemen. You can look at Calgary. I think it's Hamilton leads in goal differential. And in shot, uh, shot attempt differential, I think he's second to Giordano. You can look at any of those numbers and go, oh, okay, but it, it, you still notice it. Like, do you notice Jacob Slavin 
is so good defensively, even though he, you know, doesn't hit much. It, it's it's all about like evolving, and the, there are so many fans that don't evolve with the game, and they're the ones that probably think plus minus is like the most indicative stat about a defenseman too. And it's just you, you could take a step forward and view them differently, and just try to be open minded about them and realize like, oh, oh, okay, like Keith Andrews a good defenseman, he would have been good for their injuries. But no. It's interesting how many people love plus minus and then will sort of crap on, you know, advanced metrics where Especially they're like, like oh, differential. Yeah. yeah. Literally use goal differential. What's wrong yeah. with that? Like just, <laughs> yeah. just five on five. Everyone says just stick with five on five because it takes out everything else. Just focus in on it. That it bounces the playing field. If someone you think is a great, you know, great plus minus player, they should probably be great in terms of goal differential too. Yeah, I know this was a debate that's sort of been brought up recently um, with um, it was with Taylor Hall because he was asked about, you know, what it's going to be like mm-hmm. to be potentially going to the playoffs. And then there were a bunch of uh, Edmonton Oilers writers that were all butthurt because, you know, oh, Taylor Hall was just this negative player. Look at his his goal differential without looking at the fact that all of these empty net goals that he was on for and ignoring the what he generated while he was on the ice versus when he was off the ice. But yeah, not to go into a, a tangent, I just feel that any trade the Rangers make, and in, in this case Mike brought up Sergachev, I think he's a tremendous player. I think he has an amazing skill set that is something that the Rangers really need more than ever considering what it is that they're looking to do. But I just wonder if it's a situation where when they're looking at potential players and returns, are these players that Jeff Gordon is looking for? Is Are these players that uh, Vigneault is whispering in, in, in the ear of Gordon? I, I, just, I guess my, which is actually a, a, a good question to ask you all, is who do you think is driving the bus in terms of negotiations, <laughs> is it a situation where Gorton might be saying, okay, Elaine, thanks for the input. And it's just saying, nope. Maybe right now. This, yeah. But this has to be Gorton's team at this point. I mean, I, all things considered and the history of Sather's role and where Vino has taken this team or rather where he hasn't taken this team since that first year, it, this has to be a shift in philosophy. It can't just be, hey, sorry, folks, we're going to get rid of some guys we know you all really love. It's going to be real tough. Sorry about when you bought all those jerseys, Dad. You know, there's got to be more to it than that. You have to acknowledge, like, all right, this, this path has not worked, and we need to, we need to make a, a shift in philosophy. And I think Gorton has all – he has the track record and the tools to – to make the right decisions here. This is his deadline to get right. And, you know, Vino should have next to no influence in what happens because if the move forward is young players, and that's what the organization has said, he's not the right coach for that team. You know, it's it just, that's it, just not the case anymore. I agree with you. Sorry. I, I, so agree with you. I, I think 
I think we're, we are quick to be like, oh, it must be Seder, because there's so many moves that they, they reek of something Seder would do. But the whole rebuild thing, I have to think, that's a kick to Seder, because he got the Rangers in this mess. We're contemplating, yeah. well, not we, but they, they're contemplating moving Brian McDonough, who's supposed to be their future, then, now, in the future, and whatever, because they did such a bad job with that Girardi extension, and with the stall extension, that they're paying for it now. They didn't keep Strawman. They... They traded futures time and time again and everything else. Had they not signed Stefan to a bridge deal, he'd still be here. This wouldn't, you know, there would be no conversation about their center depth this year. It, it wouldn't be an issue. You have the issue of Hayes and, and Miller coming up now and everything else. And it's like, are you going to make the right moves with Shea? Are you going to repeat your mistakes? And I think that'll really show too. If Gordon somehow gets them all to cap-friendly deals, you know, like he did the Banajad, it really shows that it's him because that's something we never did get from Sather. But I think it took a while to get to that point. Once they said, we're rebuilding, all of a sudden you see everything change. I don't expect the coach to say anything besides, I'm going to help my team win. It's the same thing that Ted Nolan said in Buffalo. Even though he lost, I remember they traded, you know, healthy players for injured players to get Evander Kane and absolutely decimated his roster at the deadline. But they still, it was, it was the still same idea, whether it was, teaching these young players fundamentals or anything else. McDonough finally is out of the lineup. They intended to give Lundqvist rest. It didn't happen because of other things, which whatever, he's getting the rest tomorrow. Fair enough. They're doing things and bringing these young defensemen up, and they're in the lineup. Whether, you know, when, when D'Angelo was recalled, it was, okay, Camper is out. Even before he was hurt, he's out for D'Angelo to play to give him a chance to see what he can do. So I think all of that you see is a lot more Gorton than anything else. Because at the beginning of the year, had things gone differently and maybe Smith been handled sooner and Shea not even, you know, taking a step back. And McDonough had the season that everyone expected him to. And every player to be used in the right way and Bushnevich in the top six, I don't think they get to the point where they actually have to say, all right, guys, we're rebuilding because we're a mess. And they're at this point, so I have to think Gordon's like, okay, I need to handle this because it's on me if I don't. It's not on Sather. He has a job for life. Not on Mignot. It's outright on me. So now I have to fix it and do it my way. And it seems like there's finally some agreements within that for the first time. But then again, he was also the guy that got McLeod like right before all this. So kind of drops my opinion of him. I can only think about the women's game. I'm not going to lie. That's all I can think about right now. I'm excited. (laughs) Imagine how I feel. I mean, no, I wasn't writing something about that game and lost track of what time it was. Of course not. I wouldn't do that to our listeners. It must be awesome. That game that is on at 11 o'clock tonight that everyone should be watching and appreciating, especially since there's no other USA hockey to watch, so you have no other choice. There's no other hockey game at 11 o'clock to watch, except for that. <laughs> I, Tom, I know, I know we wanted to switch over to landing spots for Nash uh, as something to cover next. And I feel like I, w- I want to bring this up because we heard recently uh, from Travis Yost that the Predators are not a likely landing spot for Nash all of a sudden. And that has me worried about a situation where – I feel like the Rangers, you know, there's also been the connection between Nash and the Stars. And I bring that up because 
the stars have Valeri Nichuskin, and I think it's a really bad idea to acquire Nichuskin in a deal. Dallas does have some other prospects and young guys, but there's something about Nichuskin that makes me really nervous, and I think that's for good reason, uh, considering he's 23 years old and playing in the KHL right now. I and he's already had, you know, some disagreements and contract negotiation stuff with Dallas. And this feels just like this feels like something out of the Sather playbook would be to go after Nachuskin and make him one of the major parts of something like a Nash deal. Uh, you know, I don't you know, it's highly unlikely the Rangers will be able to get something like, you know, Miro Heiskanen or something like that from Dallas, but you know, there's there's other pieces there, like Julius Honka is a little bit interesting, and, you know, getting a pick as well. So I wanted to know what you guys thought of, if Nash isn't going to the Predators, where the hell is he going? Wait, why are you thinking Nachuskin, if I'm saying it right, Mike? Uh, there's I'm... been some rumblings. It's He's a guy, it's trading their rights, essentially. I know that I think it was, uh, there's... A writer on Blue Shirt Banner, I'm not going to name him by name, but I've already identified his gender, so that limits the pool. Um, he said that Nechuskin would be an interesting get for the Rangers. And, you know, I don't know if this person's opinion has changed recently, but to me, this just feels like this is a headache. You know, this is not something you want to, you want to inherit, especially... You know, I'm not. It's not the same thing. It's it's apples and oranges. But you know, the the D'Angelo headache and the Rangers being willing to take that on, and you know, just there's a lot more at stake here than just you know. Oh, we think we can fix this. You know, you have to get safe, solid prospects if you're not getting draft picks. And that's yeah. why I'm nervous about something like a deal with Dallas that involves Nichushkin in any way, shape, or form. Well, I think the Nachushkin situation was more of a a Lindy Ruff thing. Funny how, you know, we end up with with Lindy Ruff and all the defensive issues that we've had, and they just sort of seem to vanish from the Dallas Stars, even though the roster is, for better or for worse, intact. Um, But Nachushkin would be an interesting get. He would be a player that, I think has a pretty high ceiling, but is there a guarantee that he comes back? Is there a guarantee that, you know, he wants to play in the NHL? Is there, there are so many questions where I think that the Rangers, if they're going to say only get a first and then they prioritize instead of say maybe a second like a prospect and a roster player, I think it's going to be something that's a sure thing. A team that potentially is interesting is, is there the possibility that Rick Nash would want to go back to Columbus? Would there be the potential there? I mean, they have a number of interesting prospects. I think one that uh, Adam threw around but was Tom, uh, they Sonny, Sonny Milano. But can you what? can you just can you just imagine Rick Nash coming back being a monster in the playoffs and Columbus just swooning him all over again? 
They'd have to stop booing him, and it would be even better if he did it with them, and then he was like, all right, I'm out. I'm going back to the Rangers. Yep. Oh, that would be so See funny. Ya. That would be such a tease. But I, I think Nash is, um, if not Nashville, and I understand that was the the report by Travis Yost. I think going back, it was um, Elliot Friedman who had said that Nashville might be potentially interested, but their move may end up being uh, bringing over uh, Eli Tolvanen, who was, you know, Finland was eliminated in the Olympics, so he's a player that maybe he's their their deadline acquisition, and it doesn't cost them anything. But Shayna, in terms of Rick Nash return, Shayna, do you do you prioritize <laughs> draft picks? Do you prioritize prospects? Do you need a roster player? What does that return sort of look like? Um, I think I think the fact that Nash and I hate that like we keep seeing him do this, but he keeps saying like I don't know if I'm wanted here and blah blah blah. It's it, it in a way is like dispelling the notion that it's like hey he's just a rental, but like I hope that it's just like giving them the idea that he's not a rental because as long as they think that it's going to lower the price. And when you have Grabner, who you might not care if he's a rental or not, it's a different story. But any team that has, you know, the cap space for Nash doesn't cost much. I think uh, it's $1.7 it's, it's not like that's, you know, backbreaker or anything like that. But if they, if they move Grabner first, that's going to dictate, you know, how much they get. And I think it also depends on Evander Kane and all of that. So there, there's just so many moving parts. And um, I think that the focus, though, if they can get draft picks, from Darnay and all of that, and, you know, that's great. So just focus on getting a first-rounder because he's the only one that's going to get you that unless you move McDonough. I think that if you want more than that and you can get the third and fourth and fifth-rounders from other players, you can say I want a first-rounder and then a prospect. And you'll have that balance because it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt to have some prospects just go right to Hartford or next year you have them for Hartford, whatever the case may be. But I'm not as intent on they must get a roster player. It's not like once Nash is gone, they can't fill the space. You're going to have Kreider returning so soon that it'll, you know, fill the void right in the lineup there. Um, but, yeah, that that can't be their focus. As much as I know they want a quick turnaround, and I think everyone does for Lundquist's sake, you can't rush it and just automatically get all these roster players and assume everything's going to work out. Like, you need to build for now and in the future, or you're just screwing yourself again. What do you guys think? Uh, it's, it's it's really hard for me. Uh, it's I mean I know we saw the Holden deal, and I feel like that was a step in the right direction. I mean I listened to you guys talk about it already, but you know there's there's still a potential for things to go really wrong here, and that's <laughs> what makes me nervous because if there's a way to like to drop the birthday cake on the floor before it gets to the eagerly awaiting child whose eyes are filled with hope. The Rangers can find a way to do it. It's kind of what they do. Uh, it's, it's what they do with contracts. It's what they do in free agency. I mean, there's been a couple of really encouraging exceptions lately, but for, for the most part, the cake is on the floor. The kids are crying and the goodie bags are never good enough. So 
I have a lot of trepidation about what happens next. I feel like, you know, there's going to be a a big message sent by what happens specifically with McDonough, not only because he's the team's captain, but also because of what he represents in terms of value. I mean, on, on TSN's, you know, hockey trade bait list, you know, McDonough is in their top 15. He's ranked 14, but obviously that's pretty heavily influenced by the fact that he's not a pending UFA. Um, with that being said, you know, Eric Carlson is supposedly on the market, and there's Mike Green and Jack Johnson, but I think McDonough has a lot more teams interested, especially a team that's young like Toronto that, you know, they feel like they could add a, a piece to their core and to be an answer, not just today, but in the future. I, I'm, I have so many concerns about how this rebuild gets executed. And, you know, the Holden deal was a good start. It's a warm body in the AHL and a third round pick, which is an improvement over for what the Rangers, you know, gave up from for Colorado, just a fourth rounder. But, yeah, there's there's too much potential for things to go squirrely before I feel confident about anything. I think we're going to learn a lot by what happens with the next big trade. Um, I, I did specifically want to ask you to throw another monkey wrench into the show uh, to join the other nine monkey wrenches I've supplied. Is Do you see Dayarnay being worth anything to anyone? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Eric Fair. Eric Fair got something. Yes, it was a 2020 pick. And it, yeah, it was what, a seventh rounder, season? though. I mean, sure, but I'm thinking Darnay <laughs> is a little bit more valuable. He was worth uh, Brendan Davidson last year, and I know the expansion draft played into that, but it, Brendan Davidson's a, a solid defenseman, a young defenseman he was worth, and he's good in the playoffs. He just isn't good in his own zone. But if you are plugging him into a bottom six and you think that you have solid defensive players, like the Rangers having, you know, Frost and Grabner, when he's played with them, he looks fine. When he plays with everyone else, maybe not so much. But when he, you know, if you're like, hey, I can just slap you in and your line mates are going to be fine enough defensively that it's not a concern and you can bring a nice offensive punch, why the hell not? Here's a fifth-round pick, even if it's in two years. It's a pick. But what do you, what do you think is the best the Rangers can get for someone like Dayarnay? I think he can get, like, a fourth-round pick. I think he really – well, he, if you look at Dayarnay this season, he's already out – I forget at one point it was, but he already has outpaced his offensive output from last season. So teams will look at that and say, eh, he's a guy that will give us some depth. He, you know, has a decent shooting percentage. And just historically speaking, I, I, I think that, like Shana said, if – if Eric Fair could get a future, future, future pick, there's no reason why DeHarnay can't grab something. Yeah, but Eric Fair got like a lottery ticket for a lottery that might not exist. You know what I mean? It's it's that yeah. far away, and it's but kind Darnay of that has irrelevant. Nineteen points at five on five. That's pretty damn good for someone that doesn't get very good minutes and whatever. It's not bad. Yeah, that's fair. I just feel like most of the teams that would be interested in something like offensive depth 
might be, you know, turned off by the fact that it's not just a size issue. It's when you're a one-dimensional center in this league, mm-hmm. it's really hard for you to hold on to a job, especially if you're in a depth role. Like, you know, you you have to be like outstanding offensively. You can't just be like, you know, if you put if you put him with some skill guys, he's going to make some things happen. There aren't many other options, though. Um, I don't think that, that is, I mean, Matt that Cullen might be on the move. Uh, Marco mm-hmm. Castu, people might go after first because um, I don't think he has that same thing, you know. But uh, Yeah, there's Placanic, yeah. there's Latestu, there's Derek Ryan like Placanic, in Carolina. Though, you're, taking on, you're taking on, you know, a little bit more Placanic than I think you might want to. I mean, it's not like one done in Montreal might be like, hey, he's important to us. I don't like him. Mm-hmm. He wears turtlenecks. I was going to make a turtleneck joke. I'm glad that you made it before me. I was going to say he'd have to go to a market where they have turtlenecks specifically made already. Beth, what do you think? Are we going to keep DRNA? Oh, the the question is more am I going to notice at this point, I think. I mean, I just sat here and, like, (laughs) racked my brain for the last thing I had seen him. You know, like, when was the last time I noticed him, good or bad? And I was just kind of like, Eh, I mean, I've missed a few games recently, but not that many. So, I mean, yeah, if we can get something for him, fine. Why not? I just, you know, not, nothing against the guy, but nothing, you know, he falls into whatever the category was that you were saying about the D player who should be like seen, but not heard. I mean, I'm not sure that's true of any, but there's only five people out there other than the gold, you know, I mean, do you really want somebody who you're not noticing at all? How does that work? So, yeah, I mean, again, nothing, I don't, I can't say anything necessarily bad about the guy. I think he's probably done what he came, he he has done what he was brought here to do, but I mean, yeah. yeah he only makes a million dollars. Happy to see him go. <laughs> <laughs> only. I mean, yeah, well, for so. NHL players, I'm like, you look at it and it's like, you were supposed oh, no, to be a bottom center. You're skilled. Was it was it Ottawa or Philly? Was one of those games? I feel like he was on the ice for like every goal against. You look up and it's like oh oh. <laughs> David Dayarnay is the in, the invisible man struggling to perfect a solution or a potion that will make him visible. He just kind of shows yeah. up every once in a while. Him playing with Kreider and uh, Booch for a little it might have boosted his value because you know people are gonna look at the surface you know, surface numbers they see, and they're going to be like, oh, he scored all these points, look at that, and not realize, like, oh, yeah, he was on the first line for a little bit, that's why, that's probably why, that definitely props him up, but, you know. That's take right. it what are face-off numbers? Season has been so weird. Shana, do you know his face-off numbers off the top of your head? Uh, no. I know... I'll find them in a hurry He plays here. some of the most sheltered minutes, though. I know he gets, like, 55% some of the most on the draw. That's better than That's a turtleneck, fun. if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> Someone will it's all about it. the face-offs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, his possession numbers are, I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's literally, like, every everyone that, like, plays with him, I feel like you just see their numbers go right down. Like, uh, goals yeah. four, I don't even think he he's at 40%. And that's not saying that much for this team, but his is definitely one of the lower of the of the offense, probably the whole team. Oh, dear. 
Yeah, so long as he has really good wingers and the other team has fewer guys on the ice, he's quite a good hockey player. <laughs> Just get him good good wingers. Like someone that, if someone wants like a Grabner Darren package deal, it's like, all right, Grabner's good defensively and he likes someone who can pass to him. Here's Darren, he can do it in play center. Now give us more things. It's a package deal. Two for one yeah. sale. I I just want the Rangers to move him. Uh, I'm worried they won't because there is this fun, like this fun dilemma of oh we might not have enough warm bodies to play a team after the deadline. Oh, bring up so Nieves again. Why isn't he here now? That's a whole other Wait, thing. Wait, bring up who? Uh, boo. boo. Oh, boo! I forgot about boo too. Hi, boo. He left. Yeah, sure. Holland. Holland replaced him. I yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything against Holland, but I'd rather have Boo. Yeah, I'd rather have yeah. Boo too. Yeah, but yeah. So, I don't know. He's had his moments of being good. Yeah, he's had his moments. Yeah. He made a really nice pass the other night. But like that's just it. He's a fourth line center that like doesn't get that many minutes. We shouldn't think much of him. So I guess that's a good thing. Darnay is the same thing and we have like all these thoughts because it's like, well, he was supposed to be a healthy well, drive for a million games, and then he wasn't because of injuries, and then he went to yeah, the first but he also, that. Yeah, but Dayarnay also has the baggage of being the guy who kind of, sort of, but not really replaced Stepan. And oh, that no is, that way. Is no pro- one thinks that. No, yeah, but no I, way. I never, I never think not of in his like role. that. Not, not in his role, but as in, like, you moved. You I know, would he's say the he center that went Lindbergh. on the team. Well, yeah, that's a I lot more I would say Lindbergh 100% then. And even then I'd be like, uh. No, I, I agree with that. I just think that to some people the perception is he's the free agent center that came in after, the, you know, the Stepan deal. It, it's not saying that that's what he is. It's just saying that he has baggage to him. To me, I've, like, when the Rangers signed him, I said, uh, okay, we'll see. And. It was. I enjoyed the fact that there was someone shorter than Zuccarello on the team. I never thought we'd live to see the day. Um, but I also knew exactly what the Rangers were getting. But I, I still feel like he, there has to be a team out there that says, you know, we want a 13th forward who's, you know, an offensive center that we can plug into the lineup to shake things up in the playoffs. And, you know, the reason I brought up what his faceoff numbers are is because there are enough teams that look at numbers like that and say, well, we need a face-off guy. And what I don't think Minnesota? he's cool. Why not? I just saw it. Sorry, it just popped into my head. What about Minnesota? If they all of a sudden traded Matt Cullen, they'd probably get more in return for Cullen than they would have to spend for day or nay. They'd, they'd move up, you know. Imagine they're like, okay, third-round pick for Matt Cullen, trade him off, and then it's like, we'll give you a fifth-rounder for day or nay. That works for them. They just popped into my head. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's fine. I was I was going – down an alley that had no end, so it's, it all works for me. But yeah, that's sure. that my way of thinking. So to move on mm-hmm. from DeHarnay, I think uh, a topic that we should end on is what's going on tonight. We have uh, the U.S. versus Canada for Olympic gold. Tom, so yes, Mikey. <laughs> Tom, how was your day? What did you do today? It was it was a good day. It was a busy day working, but so Mike, did you have any thoughts of eating marbles? Did you see any animals? 
I can't say that I saw any animals, and I, I kind of have a sense that you're sort of trying to take this off the rails as I'm trying to land no. the plane. No rails, no rails, no rails. <laughs> and me and Beth have been so good at being on the rails. I saw a but I think, the other day, Tom. But I think a this is a topic that, that the three of you have a lot to say about, don't you? That's true, Tom. I, I'm terrified beyond the capacity for rational thought to borrow a line from a fine film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah past, I've been... I'm past speech. Yeah, I've been I'm too frightened. kind of like crackling with energy about this all day. Uh, yeah. Like I, I organized my sock drawer today. Uh, I've never done that before in my life. I didn't. I no one's didn't ever done that before I, in their life. That I had a sock I have. Drawer. I didn't know that I mine had get mine get like very out of control. I have a lot of socks. I like to out tuck one sock into the other sock, mm-hmm. and that way they stay together as a unit. Ladies and gentlemen, I if call you, like, that overflow sock... your what's it called? Sock unit. One unit of socks. Okay. I have it's it like if you pair, overfill the drawer, sock. it goes into the net. That, that My sock like drawer goes off the rails. Yeah, I, I've been this game to give folks some context. Team Canada has won 24 straight games of Olympic hockey. The last time they lost was 20 years ago, 1998 Nagano Games, when Team USA, led by Cami Granado, defeated Canada. And USA, led by Hillary Knight, Brianna Decker, Kendall Coyne, Amanda Kessel, Megan Duggan. I, I, I could just name the whole roster, but I'll spare everyone. It's, uh, what's so fascinating about this is that USA has won the last three world championships. They've won the last three Four Nations Cups, which is a tournament between USA, Canada, Sweden, and Finland. And so it's like, oh, this is USA's year, but in the preliminary stage... Canada beat USA 2-1 to one in a super-duper controversial game. That's my the official lingo I'm choosing to use as someone who tries to make a living with his words. Super-duper. Uh, there was two goals waved off. There was a missed penalty shot by Team USA. There's a controversial goal that was off, offsides, but Team USA's Offside. head coach Rod, <laughs> Rob Sauber didn't challenge it. So there's enough storyline... To keep you in, I mean, folks, none of the Rangers games for the rest of the season mean anything. I'm just saying. I don't mean <laughs> to be that guy. Question for you, though, Mike. A very yes, important please. question. You mentioned Cami Granado, but you did not talk about her husband, Ray Ferraro. Why? <laughs> I want to know about their husbands, their brothers, their uncles, cousins, great grandparents. I want to know everything except for their current team, what their role is, what they're good at. Just, just give me like as as stupid effects as you can. Wow. Be that guy from I could the New York you, Times. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was a really big fan of Pierre Lebrun. I'm not I'm sorry, Pierre Maguire saying like, oh, that, that, uh, that she grew up in this town and this town. And, uh, you know, this is her brother and a great, he was talking about players, great grandfathers for fuck's sake. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. Like with Kendall Coyne, <laughs> they are twins so are brothers. Quick. 
They are so quick with Kendall Clay and be like, let's talk about her boyfriend. And the only piece of information from this entire tournament that I found useful that I was like, I'm actually interested in, was when they said that she makes him practice on the ice and he makes her practice on the field. Because that, I go, that's really interesting that she trains on the football field as well. That, you caught my attention. Otherwise, go away. Don't don't talk about that. That There was this story on uh, the ice garden. They, they need that, like, imprinted into their brains. Oh, yeah, the the story that Jen wrote. Yeah, that was hysterical. It was just correcting all the, the goofy bullshit that uh, Pierre Maguire just... My my favorite is, not only is Kendall Coyne's fiancé a football boy, but he's super-duper tall and she's short, and that's something else. Like, that, that's what they're talking about <laughs> when there's really intense hockey going on. My takeaways of Maguire from from the Olympics are he has insulted analytics so many times, and the way he's insulted it, it's like that is exactly what they do. Stop talking, and then everything about women, anything, and it's just like, why are you here? I know he knows so much stuff, and he he really knows like all these details, and everyone gets mad because it's like, oh, you give out way too much information at inopportune times. But like, did you not think to study up for this? Because I know of all people, he'd be the perfect one to learn all these interesting details about their lives and then spit them out. Even if it was at the wrong time, at least it would be like, okay, cool, he's teaching us something. But no. Yeah. I mean, why do that for a For me, the most, the most hilarious thing last time was him, like, going, like, Brianna Decker for him, Pierre, last time went from being, like, one oh of the most God. impressive players on the team. Okay, thank you, thank you, yes, thank you, to one of the most impressive women's hockeys, to by the end he was stuttering and saying, oh, I actually think she's one of the most hockey, ta- you know, talented hockey players, male or female, you know, like his entire worldview yeah. had been changed. <laughs> and it was like, you know, if you had maybe watched, like, two hours of tape before you did this game, we'd be spared you having these, you know, nice little revelations here. I mean, it's just the whole thing. Like, I just can't imagine how a woman, you know, broadcasting a men's game would be treated if she like stumbled in like that and was like, wow, who do we have here? You know, I mean, can you even imagine, but it's apparently fine for, you know, the chicks. So they're lucky anyone's watching it all. Damn it. All right, guys, I I think we need to pee. So I I got it. And I have people coming over. So I have to go. Then go then. I love Bye, you, Beth. It's very rude to leave a show early, Beth. Very rude. You know, I texted you all that I had to go, and nobody listened to me or gave me an out, and then I had a thing to say. So now oh, I have to go, I was, and I was, maybe we all making a joke tomorrow. Because I was 30 minutes you, late Beth. to the show. So. Don't worry. We love you very much. I love you all. And you let it Good be night. that girls were the majority on something for, like, something on Blue Shirt. That's, that's big. That's yeah, right. Tom, did you mm-hmm. did you feel intimidated and dominated? Of course not. Tom, Tom, what are you say? Of course. Like right now. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. What goodnight. was that, Mike? Bye. What are your estrogen levels like right now? <laughs> I don't quite know how to respond to that question. <laughs> would you Would you rather eat some marbles? Because we could do that too. Do you I feel think that we'll we sit. boss you around a lot? Oh no, I don't, feel, I, don't feel, I don't feel bossed around. Okay. Then I guess we're okay. not doing our job well enough. <laughs> I mean, if you <laughs> want to be more bossy, you, you can be by all means. I mean, I'm 
I'd say I'm pretty easy, easy going, and I'm just like, okay, that's fine. Joe always tells me not to boss him around, and then he'll be like, actually, you can keep doing it. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna anyway. Joe doesn't know what's good for him. Yeah. So I think, so Mike, I think this would be a good time for you to uh, read off Go the names the of, all, of all the wonderful people that help support this, this podcast uh, through uh, our Patreon. Oh yeah. I, did, I didn't forget about doing that at all, Tom. How dare you even suggest <laughs> such a thing. Um, so I'm, I'm going to read some names now. I'm not good at reading, but uh, here we go. Obviously, this show is impossible without our wonderful patrons. And here are their names. Not all of these are their birth names, however. Some of these are uh, very clearly nonsensical, but we'll read them through anyway. John J. Porter, Anthony Viola. John Reppy, Johnny Olo, Alex Gardner, Alexander Ricard, Robert Courtney, Mediogre. Something tells me that Mediogre's mother did not name him Mediogre. Uh, Daniel DeGen, right. Eric Cohn, Matt Bader, George Lippman, Dan's Lynch, Danny Santiago, Gabriel Vargas, James Dangles. I hope that Dangles is his real last name. David L. Singer, Darwin Bushman. Grumpy Smokey, that sounds like uh, like an old bear, like an old grizzly bear that's like the, the patriarch of the Yosemite National Forest. Grumpy Smokey. Uh, Scott Potash, Mike Offit, Chris B., Bob Kawa, Andrew Grigo, Andrew Grigo, Grigo? I like that name. Stink Fleeman, Tori from Manhattan, Arch Williams, Igor Zaslavsky, Zachary Zetlin, Dan Crozy, Alexander Thornton, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kepner, Michael Silvers, and I think that's all the names I'm supposed to read. That was a lot of names. Thank you all very much for keeping. Good you know, it's, it's donations and support like yours that will get Tom to swallow a marble one day. We would have to set sort of like a bar for that, sort of like. Uh, Mike, or rather for uh, Joe, going to be eating the uh, the cap full of the shave gel. So, we'll Listeners, have to sort of tweet us. Set a bar. Tweet us what you if you want Tom to eat a marble. Tweet us, all three of us, or just the Blue Shirt Banner official Twitter page. Tweet us how what it will take, what you think it should take for Tom to eat a marble, because we can't disappoint you guys. So tell yeah. us what you think, and we'll consider it and we'll weigh our options and then set something for Tom (laughs) T to marble. This can only end in tears. I love it. This is going to be the worst thing ever. I just love how this is something that you both are going to weigh and it, I feel like I have very little input in the situation, which yeah, pretty much Tom. I mean, it's, that's that's a tough break, buddy, but it is what it is. I mean, you you didn't want to think it would just be fun. So, you know, to see whatever I think. That I saw the other day. So this is what happened. You want to stay on the rails? This is what has to happen. And it was me and Beth yeah. together, and we stayed on the rails. Which I remember you guys saying that would never happen. I didn't if say it that. Was, didn't didn't you guys say like if it was me and Beth together, it would just be off the rails the whole time? Like that was like no. earlier in the year. Maybe Joe said it. If it was probably, Joe, I think we would have driven him way off the rails. He's a terrible friend and a terrible father. 
Also, guys, when you let us know what you want, you know, how much you think you should take for Tom to eat a marble, let us know what color marble he should be eating because I think that's an important question as well. I'm just saying this, Shana, from a strictly medical perspective and someone who cares very deeply about Tom's safety, I would suggest we get an opaque marble so that it shows up mm. better in x-rays and CAT scans. Uh, Anything but red. You don't want red. Something goes horribly wrong. We do not want it like a a translucent or transparent marble. That would be bad, I would imagine. Yeah. Want something well, that'll show up. Mighty thoughtful of you, Mike. You need you a know, color that um, definitely should not be in his body normally. So maybe like lime green, yeah. purple, blue. Just not red. Red is out. Red is out. You can't have it. Did Tom? Did you know that the human eye detects green better than any other color? That's, I did not know that's that. That's surprising, especially considering colorblind. Like so many people are colorblind for green. It's really interesting, huh? Hmm. Hmm. Tom, did you know that the average human foot has five toes on it? Yes. <laughs> hmm. I did. I have a question for you, Mike. Actually, I have two questions I don't want to for you. All right, what do you got? So, number one, where can people find you on Twitter? You son of Back a bitch. Back on the rails. Right. Your new name is The Conductor, because you get us on the rails. Uh, at Dig Deep BSB is where you can find me on the Twitter. And where else can people read your work besides uh, Blue Shirt Banter? In the stars, Tom. They can read it in the stars. <laughs> they, they can read it in the smiles of their children. And they can read they it can in their it. alphabet soup. Forms they words can feel it when, when their lovers hold their hands. And they walk through parks. That's where they can find my work. Good answer. Welcome Shana. to the wilderness, Tom. We're off the rails. Where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at, at HeyShay, three Y's and three Y's. And where else can people find your work besides Blue Shirt Banter? You can find my work at The Athletic. In the Star. And... and at Hockey Graphs, and I'll actually have something written for there very shortly because I finally finished what I was doing for like a century and a half. And also in the stars. Sometimes in written stars. in the sand, you know? Never know. Someone might see something I, I wrote and draw it out in the sand, you know? Crazier things have happened. Tom, where can people find you in the world? People can find me on Twitter at Tom Urch Jr., uh, and you can find my work on Boucher Banter. That's it. Uh, or Do you, you have anything exciting you're working on? on? Yeah, Tom. I, what are you working on? I am working on my next game score piece, which I have a feeling it's going to be another, you know, bleeding red of negative for, you know, shot differentials. And it's going to be interesting because there's going to be a bunch of different names that are gone and names that are joined and it'll be all kinds of interesting. And, and Mike, do you have anything interesting you're working on? Shana, thank you so much for asking, but I would, I would, oh, you're I'd welcome. like to add that you can also find Tom in your nearest hobby store in the marble aisle, but I am mm. also working on uh, a piece about Jean Rattel's number being retired soon because that's coming up. And that's pretty exciting. I got to talk to Rangers legend, Rangers legend Ron Gresh. Uh, oh my God, 
Rangers legend Rob Gilbert <laughs> about that. And uh, yeah, and Ron Greshner came up. But uh, honestly, I had some marbles in my mouth there, Tom. You see what I, did? Tom? You see what I did? There? It's very nice. Well, on that note, I would like to thank everyone for tuning in. Thank you for supporting everything that we do, and we will speak to you all again soon. Take care, Shana. Take care, Mike. Thanks Bye. for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> You're supposed to end the